You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I want to just kind of uh, start where we kind of left off, but in order for me to do that, I kind of want to just recap for those of you that weren't here uh, or maybe have forgotten um, what we talked about last week. I want to just give you kind of a little bit of a, um, a uh, kind of a recap. So Romans uh, 13 is kind of where we were parked at last week. So here it says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished, or there will be punishment, uh, some translations say. For authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right. So as long as you're doing right, you're following the laws, you're doing what you should be doing, the governing authorities, they said you should ha- there's, there's no fear um, in that. But those who are doing uh, wrong, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. Now again, this is, this is what it would look like if, if we had perfect government. Again, the purpose of government is to reward good, punish evil. And, and when governments are doing that faithfully, when they're, when they're biblically doing that, that is what um, it looks like. But nobody does this perfectly. You wouldn't if you were in governing positions. This is part of being human. Um, is we, we kind of uh, have moments where, where we do good and righteous things and, and moments where we don't. So he's just giving you again the ideal. If, if government was perfect, if, if government was instituted perfectly, this is what it would look like. Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. Now again, not all of them do good, but, but God's purpose in establishing authority is to do good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. We all get that, right? For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. It's just the right thing to do. Pay your taxes too for these same reasons. And none of us in this room, I took a poll last week. I don't know if it's changed. Anybody here like paying taxes? No. If you would have raised your hand, I would have had you stand up and we would have admired you um, because you're definitely an anomaly, okay? For government workers need to be paid for their serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes, taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. We're gonna zero in on that. I wanna show you what that looks like this morning uh, from an Old Testament book called Daniel. Um, So I just want to kind of recap last week. When it comes to authority, when it comes to following and obeying rules, our first response is usually to evaluate the what. What am I being asked to do? What law, what rule am I being asked to follow? What is this authority, this governing authority, what are they telling me to do? What am I being required to do? Whether it is the, you know, your boss, the president, uh, your parents, the governor, the police, the educational system, whatever that governing authority is asking you to do, Our tendency is to evaluate the what. And then rather than reject all authority, we don't just throw it all out the window. What we tend to do is I do this, you do this, we all do this, is we tend to take the rules one by one, the laws one by one, and we kind of look at them. And we kind of think to ourselves, if I can get away with not doing this, if I can get away with not obeying this, I'm just gonna disregard it. If I don't feel like this pertains to me, that this is relevant to me, uh, if I feel like I can get away with this uh, without any consequences, if I can do this and not be punished, 
Our tendency is just to disregard that. We evaluate the what. What am I being asked to do? And if I can get away with this and not get caught and nobody knows, then baby, we're all over it, okay? It's all about the what. Now, when it comes to Romans 13, one through seven, which I just read to you from Paul, Paul is simply saying to us, it's no longer about the what. It now is the who, okay? No longer is it about what we are being asked to do, but rather Paul says, who is asking you? The context of Romans 13, I said this last week, I wanna just stress this again this week because this is gonna come into play as we begin to talk about Daniel this morning. Romans 13, the context of that is, it's no coincidence that Nero was the emperor at the time Paul's writing this very chapter in Romans, okay? Christians, and I said this last week, Christians did not fare well under Nero, okay? Uh, There weren't a lot of Christians at the time of Nero's uh, being emperor because many of them did not survive, Nero, Nero was, was well known for his persecution of Christians. Uh, we talked about that. They, he boiled them in oil. He fed them uh, to lions. Uh, he was a very, very bad, nasty, maniacal, uh, horrendous emperor. He burned them at the stake. Uh, and so again, when Paul writes these very words that we saw there in Romans 13, saying that every authority that exists has been established by God, he is noting and and, and telling us um, that that includes Nero, especially Nero, because he's writing this to, to, to Christians who were living in Rome at that time. Now, I would say to you this morning, and do this, you know, quietly, do this to yourself, pick the worst president who's ever served the United States. You can start back with George Washington and move your way through the ranks. Name the president you like the least. There may be several of them. Okay, got one in mind? I will guarantee you they are not as bad, as evil, or as maniacal as Nero. They're not. I don't know of any president who would ever come to the level of evil that Nero did. So Paul could write and abide by these words, and and not just him, but he's writing and encouraging others to also abide and to submit under what he's writing there. Other thing we talked about is God always, 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 always works through human authority. One of the ways God limited himself is God said, whatever I'm gonna do upon the earth, I have limited myself that I am going to do that through a human being. And that's why God takes on human flesh in the incarnation And God became man among us because if God was going to redeem mankind, he had to do it as 100% man. Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Praying people do that. And God cooperates and he works through that form and that's just one of many forms of human authority that God recognizes and works through. Now, God works through good human authority and he works through bad human authority. He works through righteous human authority. He works through unrighteous human authority. He works through good human authority and evil human authority. It's how God exercises his will upon the earth. We see that, for instance, in just one of many places, we see that in the relationship between Moses and Pharaoh. The other thing I reminded you of is God is not overwhelmed. He's not worried. He's not caught off guard. He is not without a plan. He is not frustrated. 
He is not bewildered by evil, unrighteous authorities. He established it or at least allowed it because he has a purpose and a plan. Why God does that is above my pay grade and it's above yours. If you can understand why God allows and establishes throughout the history unrighteous, evil authorities and, and not only allows it, but, but is able to use it to accomplish his plans and his purposes. If you can understand all of that, you would probably be God or pretty close to it, okay? Other thing we talked about is your attitude, your response to human authorities, which God has established, is a reflection of your attitude and your response to your Father who is in heaven. If your attitude toward human authority is only to submit and obey it when you uh, agree with it, then chances are very good that you will do the same with your heavenly Father. I know what he's calling me to do, but I think if I can get away with it, I will. I'm just not gonna do it. It's along the same lines, Jesus saying in Matthew 25, 40, whatever you've done into the least of these, it's as if you've done it to me. Our attitude, our response to the least of these, however you define that, our attitude and response to the least of these is our attitude and our response to our heavenly Father. Our attitude and our response to human authority is a reflection, it is an attitude toward our heavenly father. Now the twist, the deception, the lie, which we've kind of been trying to talk about here the last couple of weeks, is humanity has bought into this whole idea. Clear back there in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve made it all about the what. What is God asking us to do? What did God say? Rather than the who, who is saying this? God said, God established, God decreed. They did away with that and said, what? What if we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Let's evaluate that. Let's look at that. Can we get away with that? Why, why is God telling? So again, it was to evaluate the what and to ignore the who. I left it with this. Are you saying we should never question authority? And I said, no. Always, always, always question, look at authority. When someone in authority over you abuses that authority or asks you to do something outside or uh, contrary uh, to God's laws or to mankind's laws, you simply appeal to the next level of authority, but you stay under authority. And that's where we're going to pick it up this morning. And I, I want to show you what this looks like um, in, in Scripture. But again, this is, this is the key, key point I want to hammer home this morning. When someone in authority over you abuses that authority, or they ask you to do something that goes against the law or is contrary to God's laws, okay, you simply appeal to the next level, and while you're doing that, you stay under that authority in complete humility, and, I, and, and, and you're going to see this this morning um, in the book of Daniel. Humility is the key. So let's look at a couple of examples in the book of Daniel. There are many in the book of Daniel. I'm going to give you two this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to the Old Testament. The book of Daniel was written by a man named Daniel, hence the name Daniel, okay? So this is, he's kind of writing from his own account, okay? This is, he's just kind of writing an autobiography. This is my story. I lived this. Daniel 1, beginning in verse 1, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He took it over. He conquered it. And the Lord gave him victory. Who gave him victory over the, over the king of Israel? The Lord. What? 
Scott, whose side are you on here? We're Israelites. We're your people. You allowed this evil Babylonian pagan king to come in and conquer us? Yeah. The Lord did it. And again, if I, if I could tell you why, but it's above my pay grade, okay? I don't know why, but God had a plan. He had a purpose for this. And he permitted him, permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. Man, if it's not bad enough that you allowed them to come in and to conquer us, God, you basically rub our noses in it by permitting them to take some of our sacred objects that we used in worshiping you. You allowed them to take those. What are you doing? So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon, Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. And he says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. He wanted the cream of the crop. I, I want the best of the best. And here's why. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Do you know what that sounds like to me? Re-education camp. Isn't that what that sounds like to you? Basically, take, take these men of Israel, these Hebrews, and teach them the language, the ways, the culture of Babylon. That, that is a re-education camp, if I've ever heard one. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. They, they, would, they would actually go into the king's court. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these were their Hebrew names were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them, gave them Babylonian names. Now, they liked their names. These were given to them. These are their, these are their you know, christened names. And, and he renamed them, and he gave them Babylonian names. See, because if I, can, if I can change your name and I can change your heart by the things that we're gonna, we're gonna re-educate you on, then I can hopefully just reprogram you completely to where you, you won't even think like a Hebrew, you'll think like a Babylonian. That was the goal here. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. Now, I want you to pay attention to what happens in verse eight. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself. That, that's a religious term there. By eating the food and wine given to them by the king, he asked. Now this, he is appealing to the next level. Do you see that? He asked for permission. He appeals to the next level, but he remains under authority. He asked the chief of staff for permission. That is a sign of humility. May I? I have a suggestion. Would you consider not to eat these unacceptable foods? Now, what's interesting to me as I, as I reflect on this from everything I just shared to you, what happened concerning Daniel and his three friends. They've been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. They're living in Judah, they're in Israel. They're taken to Babylon. They are taken away from their home, their friends, their family, their customs, their cultures. It, it, it is just, they are completely uprooting them and moving them to a whole new place. They're forced to learn a new language. 
They are forced to learn the literature of Babylon, which would have included mathematics, astronomy, history, science, and magic. They would be re-educated for three years, and then they would be required to serve in the king's court. They're given new names. Now, what was their response to all of this? Acceptance, submission, respect, compliance. Let me list those again. Acceptance, submission, respect, compliance. To the Babylonian authority, they were now under no rebellion, no disobedience, no pushback, no questioning, no snarky attitude until it came to the king's food and drinking his wine. But up to that point, I want you to notice their attitude. I want you to notice their response. This is key. Daniel believed to indulge in the king's food would defile him because he believes it goes against God's laws. Nothing else up to this point has pricked the conscience of Daniel which amazes me. I mean, I would have been fighting at the, at the, at the siege. I, I would have been fighting against them when they came in to conquer. He doesn't. They don't. Compliance, respect, submission. Now, verse 9 indicates that God had given Daniel favor in the eyes of the chief of the staff. Now, I believe that that favor that God gave Daniel in the eyes of that chief of staff was in part because of Daniel's humble submission to authority. It's just a guess. I believe if Daniel would have came in kicking, screaming, refusing, complaining, arguing, pushing back at every turn, things might have turned out a little differently. He might not have had that kind of favor in the eyes of the chief of staff. But I believe because Daniel submitted and he was respectful and he was compliant under that authority, I think as kind of God's way of rewarding that, he says, I'm, I'm gonna give you favor in that man's eyes. At first, the chief of staff is not inclined to grant Daniel's request. Verse 10 says, but he, the chief of staff, responded, I'm afraid of the, of the Lord, my king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. He says, I, I'm under authority here. I've been given a command by the king, and, and he basically says, to go against this could cost me my head. And he said, if you become pale and, and, and thin, compared to all of the other youth your age, he said, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So Daniel comes up with this God-inspired plan. And the plan is for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to be allowed a 10-day trial period of just vegetable and water. And Daniel says, at the end of that 10 days, you can compare us to the other youth who are eating the king's portion, and, and if we don't look as healthy, if not more healthy um, than them, uh, then we will comply. And verse 14 said, the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. So he stays under authority, comes to a place where he's, he feels like I've got to go against God's laws here and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to appeal. I'm going to ask for permission. I have a plan here, but I'm going to stay under this authority. I'm just going to appeal to him and it was granted. Now, the reason I started with this example is because it's simple, but also because it's a starting point that builds to greater challenges of remaining submitted to the authority, all the while being faithful to his conscience, being faithful to um, God's laws, God's commands. 
I also want you to see how Daniel prays in chapter 2, verse 20. Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has some wisdom and limited power. Oh, I'm sorry, no, that, no. All, all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings. Now, we don't have kings, so what this would, if, if, if God were writing this to us today in, in our language, in our culture, in our system of government, it would say, for he removes presidents and sets up other presidents. This prayer of Daniel, it gives us some insight into his theology, how he kind of understood God's sovereignty and, and his attitude toward governing authorities. And Daniel's basically saying the same thing here that Paul echoes in Romans 13, 1. He says, for all authority comes from God. That's basically what Daniel's saying in his prayer. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Some of that we understand, some of that we like, a lot of that we don't understand, and some of that we don't like. But it's God's doing. Now, if you believe that God put Donald Trump as president in the White House in 2016, despite the near unanimous belief that Hillary Clinton was gonna win, you remember that, don't you? I mean, it was, it was a slam dunk, it was done. Might as well not even have the election. It was, she was declared the winner before November 3rd. I remember that. I remember watching the faces of the, of the newscasters as, as the results started coming in. And, and, and some of these places had given, you know, uh, Hillary like, what, over a 90% chance of winning. And then you watch as the evening goes on and the results roll in. And, and what happens is the percentages start to drop in Hillary's favor, and they start going toward Donald. That isn't what we were told. That isn't what we thought. That isn't what we expected. But somehow, Joe Biden, not established, God didn't put him in that position, Pastor. He stole that. He cheated. Well, I'm sure he did. I've looked at it. I'm convinced that there were some funny things that went on in that election, things that never happened in any other election. I'm curious. I'd like to know. I'd like to look at some of that. But see, if God could do what he did for Donald Trump, despite all that happened, maybe God did this or allowed this for a reason, a purpose, a plan. See, here, here's the thing. If Joe Biden's ability to steal an election is greater than God's power and authority to control the course of world events, to remove presidents and to set other presidents up, either God is in control or someone else is. Either God sets up kings and presidents or someone else does. It can't be God who does it for one but not for all. It can't be because God lost control of this election and Joe Biden outwitted God. God has a plan for what he established, for what he allowed. And I don't know what that is. And I'm guessing most of you don't either. Again, why, why God establishes some people in places of power, especially evil people, unrighteous people is above my pay grade. I'll leave it at that. Now, Daniel 3, this is the heart of what I want to get at this morning. King Nebuchadnezzar commissions a gold statue to be built, and once it's completed, Nebuchadnezzar summons his government administration, governors, administrators, 
judges, uh, magistrates, anyone and everyone who was a part of his cabinet, who is serving him uh, in his kingdom. He summons them to come for this dedication of this gold statue. Now, that would have included Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They were all a part of the king's court. They were all serving the king at that time. And, and if everyone had to be there, that tells me those four were there. As they all gather, a proclamation is given. Daniel 3, beginning in verse 5, says, When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Now, now this is the thing I want you to see here. Anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, he's, he, he, he says there's consequences. If you do not do this, there are consequences. There are times we're going to be called to do something that may violate God's laws. And there will be consequences. I, didn't, I, don't, I still don't like face masks. Okay? I remember going into Menards for the very first time that they required those. I did not want to put the face mask on. And I'm, I'm standing there. I just didn't know how much I wanted to fight against that. So I just said to the man, what if I don't put the face mask on? He says, you can't shop here. Consequence. Okay? Was this a moral? Was this a religious? Eh, no. I just didn't, didn't want to wear it. I'm not trying to be rebellious. I was not trying to be difficult. I just don't like something across my face. So I just said, okay, I've got a decision. If I want to shop here, I've got to put the face mask on. I wanted to shop there, I put the face mask on. Okay, if I didn't want to follow the rules there, and I was willing to you know, face the consequences, I just can't shop there. I just can't eat there. I just can't go there. I just can't do that. There are consequences. And some of those, I was willing to say, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to eat there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that because I just don't want to wear the face mask. It's just a personal thing with me. But there were consequences. There are consequences here. Now, command is given to worship something or someone other than the God of the Bible, and to comply what it required, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to compromise their faith and to go against the teachings and the commands of Scripture. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, is, is one of the, the ten. They've got to make a decision. Do we submit to the governing authority and in so doing violate our faith and rebel against God? They know there are consequences if they don't. They're fully aware of what the consequences are, and they're severe. So following the proclamation, the music sounds, and I have to assume there were others who also did not bow other than these three men, because again, I, I, I have to assume Daniel was there. And he didn't, I'm sure he didn't bow to that. I'm sure there were other Jews there in the king's court at that time, for whatever reason, decided they're not going to bow either. But for some reason, Shadmach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were singled out. I don't believe they were the only three. I believe there were many who did not bow, but they were the three that were targeted. Now, what's interesting to me is you just get the sense these three just chose not to participate. They don't seem to make a big deal out of it. They don't appear to do anything that causes unwanted attention upon themselves. They're not yelling at other people who are doing it, calling them sheeple. I, I just get the sense that they're kind of just standing there very reverently, quietly, head bowed, probably praying. So in Daniel 3.8, some Karens run to the king. They're the original Karens. Don't you love that Karen? How your name's been, yeah. 
We have our own Karen, but she's a good Karen. Some Karens, they run to the king and they inform him that these three did not comply. And they're brought before the king and the king gives them another chance to comply. Again, they know there are consequences. They also know we cannot compromise our faith. We cannot go against what God has told us. We cannot violate our conscience. So they know they gotta make a choice. We either submit or we go into the fiery furnace. Can there are gonna be times where we are going to have to disobey man's laws and rules in order to remain faithful and true to God's laws. But when those times come, we must, they, they, they give us the picture they, they pave the way for us. We must do it in a spirit of humility, great humility, of reverence, of graciousness, of kindness, of gentleness. And we must be willing to suffer the consequences when we don't. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? So these three men are brought before the king, and this is their response. Daniel 3, beginning in verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. No pushback. We're not going to argue with you. We, we don't need to defend ourselves to you. If we are thrown into the burn, blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Now, I want you to notice, they're appealing to a higher authority. They're appealing to God Almighty, the highest authority there is. The God whom we serve is able to save us he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Do you hear that? Your majesty. By calling the king majesty, you know what they're doing? They're recognizing his authority. We recognize your authority, Nebuchadnezzar. We are appealing to a higher authority, your majesty. Not you jerkwad, you idiot, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Now, I probably didn't do the way they said it justice. I would imagine, again, it was in complete humility, kindness, reverence. Um, I, I don't think that there was any contentious, you know, in-your-face attitude about that. They just very, very plainly and very, very reverently tell the king, this is our position. So Nebuchadnezzar becomes enraged at these three that he orders them to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But before he does it, he says this, I want you to make that fire seven times hotter. That's how mad he was. As a matter of fact, it was so hot, the scripture says, the men who took those three to throw them into the fire perished themselves as they got close to the entrance. That's how, that's how much the heat radiated out. Once in there, Nebuchadnezzar looks and he is amazed. He is stunned. Because he says he looks in there and there's three men. They were bound when they threw them in there. He says now they're just walking around there in the fire, completely unbound. And it's not just three, but there's a fourth man that Nebuchadnezzar thinks looks like a god. He's amazed by this. He's stunned. And he calls them and tells them to come out. And the three come out. And, and he says, <clears throat> not a fiber on their clothing was singed. They didn't even smell of smoke. That was how ineffective that fiery furnace was. I want you to listen to King Nebuchadnezzar's response to what he just witnessed beginning in verse 28. Praise the God. Is that a shift or what? 
you will worship me. Oh, praise the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. See what a little humility, a little reverence, a little compliance, a, li a little um, just staying under authority and appealing to the next level of authority, what God does with that. Is, is that not a picture for us moving forward? It worked there, it'll work here. Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels. That's what God does for people who honor him. He sends his angels to rescue his servants who trust in him. Their trust wasn't in Nebuchadnezzar. Their trust wasn't in what he could do. Their trust was in God and what he could do. And he says, they defied the king's command. He's acknowledging what they did. They defied me. And were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. He says, therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whoever or whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king, if that wasn't enough, promoted Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. All because these three men were willing to stand up for what they believed all the while remaining under the authority of the king, respecting his position over them. They simply appealed to a higher authority and were delivered. But even if they weren't, they were okay with that. And they were willing to suffer the consequences. And again, the result was Nebuchadnezzar promotes them to higher ranks and positions in the kingdom, and their God became his God. And not just his God, but the God of everyone in his kingdom. That's what it looks like when you are under a governing authority that ask you to do something that goes against the law or your faith in God, you remain reverently in great humility under their authority, respectfully, reverently, and you just appeal to a higher authority. God honored their approach. He will honor ours. And in the, in, the, in the coming weeks, a couple of weeks from now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you um, an example of how we did that right here in Iowa with COVID-19. How we worked with our governor, Governor Reynolds. How we stayed under her authority, but we appealed to her authority as well. And God honored that. I'll, I'll share that. It's kind of a, a, a bit of a lengthy story, but I, I see this. I, I see this everywhere in the scriptures. I, I see this happening in current situations today. Now you take all of this, not to mention Daniel's victory in the lion's den. I, I encourage you, go and read that story. Again, there's consequences. If you're caught praying to any other person other than the king, you're gonna die and Daniel will not violate his conscience and he ends up in a lion's den. He appeals to a higher authority, he ends up in the lion's den. I'm just fat. Maybe, maybe next time I'm back, we'll, we'll walk through that story because, again, it's a great illustration of how Daniel reverently and, and just, you know, with, with great respect stayed under the king's authority, appealed to higher authority, and the angels came in and shut up the mouths of the lion. Face masks, vaccines, gun control, all these things that, that may come down the pike. I don't know if they're gonna force vaccines. I know I'm not getting one. If there are consequences, I am willing to face and take those consequences. But I'm gonna do it reverently. 
I'm gonna, I am going to do it with great respect. I'm gonna be humble. I'm gonna be gracious in, in my refusal. I believe that that will be appealed to other levels. I believe it'll go to a court. Uh, uh, and, and I'm just gonna stay under authority. I'm gonna respectfully decline, reverently decline, and I'm just gonna appeal. And, and if it gets to God Almighty as my final appeal, and, and I'm forced to take the vaccine or suffer the consequences, okay, I've appealed everything I can appeal, I'll take the consequences. And I'm, and I'm gonna do it because I believe that God will deliver me in that, just as he did Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, just as he did with Daniel, just as he did with Moses, just as he did with the people of Israel. This is all over the Bible. And the reason we push back on this so much is because we don't understand authority. Remember uh, the, the Roman authority that came to Jesus one time, and I'm gonna preach on this in a couple of weeks. He came and said, my son is sick. If you'll just say the word, he'll be well. And Jesus said, well, I'll, you know, I'll come to your house. And he says, no, 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 just, just say the word. He says, for I too am a man under authority. He said, I who, I say to this one, go, what? And he goes, to this one, come, what? Come. You know what Jesus did when, when, when he said, I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. And Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, you, you understand authority. It's not about what, it's about who. Jesus marveled said, because he never found that kind of understanding among the Jewish people where he should have found it. He didn't. Where he didn't expect to find it in a Roman authority, he found it and he marveled. You know what that tells me? A lot of people, God's people, don't understand authority. And that's why we push back on it. So, so my goal is, is to prepare us <laughs> to be able to submit to authority and to do that reverently, to do that politely, to do that with grace and kindness and gentle, every, the fruit of the Spirit. To be able to stay under authority and to appeal and to do all of that with great humility. Now, um, let me just give you... Um, one other scripture, and then I'm, I'm going I'm to end it here. You know, what they say, you know, you're, you're, you're beating a dead horse here. <laughs> okay. Peter, 1 Peter, um, I want to just give you the scripture from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, and then I promise I'll close. Now, th th this is not just one scripture, but, but this is throughout uh, the New Testament. And... Uh, this is not just Paul, but, but this is Peter, uh, who also is an apostle of the church. He, he's a, he's the, one of the main leaders of the New Testament church. And he was, he was the one largely responsible for preaching salvation uh, to the Jewish people. Paul's task was to preach salvation to the Gentiles. Peter's was to preach salvation uh, to the Jews. And as Peter's writing this, as Peter's writing these words in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, guess who the emperor was at that time? Nero. Yep. Same guy we just talked about at the very beginning. And here's what Peter says. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. Whether the king as head of state, again, president, we would use, or the officials, his cabinet, he has appointed it would be the same as our, our governor and, and all that are appointed in our governor's cabinet. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong, to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence. This is what, this is what happens when we do this humbly, when we, when we stay under authority but appeal. He simply says that it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence these ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you, for you are free. When we talked about those three words, rebellion equals freedom. That's the twist. That's the lie. That's the deception. It doesn't. Our jails are full of people who thought rebellion equaled freedom. It doesn't. 
submission to God, humility, and staying under authority, he simply says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Respect the president. Amen? Let's stand up. So I, I just ask you, you know, what is your heart? I mean, what is your attitude this morning when it comes to authority? Is it, is it scriptural? Is, is it in line with Daniel, with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? What is your attitude? What is your response to governing authorities? Because I truly do believe it is a reflection of your attitude and your response to your Father who is in heaven. And as I said, the problem is, if you're gonna push back on governing authorities here, you're gonna push back on it there. God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, the scripture said. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want grace. I want God's grace. Father, we just thank you that it is by your grace that we do all things. It's by your grace that we're saved. And Father, this morning, we just, we, we come under your grace. There's nothing greater than your grace. There's nothing greater than your favor. There's nothing greater than when you delight in us. And Father, we want to live lives. We want to we display attitudes. And we want our responses to be those that are grace-filled, that are kind, that are loving, that are gentle. We want to be able uh, to have self-control. Again, it, it's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. There's, there's no law against these. There's nothing that can stop these. Love, peace, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness. Those, those fruits of the Spirit, self-control. God, you've, you've equipped us with those by your Holy Spirit. That we would walk in them. That that, that would, would produce your fruit upon the earth. And Father, that's what we want to do. We want to represent you. We want to represent you well. We want to make you famous. God, we don't do that through rebellion. We don't do that through complaining. Your word just tells us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Father, that we would do your will in, in every circumstance. That this brings you glory. So, Father, we just ask that you would enthrone yourself upon our hearts this morning. That you would enthrone yourself upon our minds this morning. That we would have the mind of Christ that we would respect and honor you by respecting and honoring those you have placed over us in authority. And Father, we know, we, I acknowledge that's, that's so difficult to do when it's not the authority I like or respect or want. So Father, I just pray, Lord, again, that you would just enthrone yourself upon our hearts through our words through our actions God that we would represent you that we would be your light 
in a place of great darkness. Father, we thank you for the example of Daniel, of his three friends. We thank you for the example of, of Jesus. who submitted to you. To submitted, who submitted to those who were under him. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that you again would just give us that heart. His heart. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for the example of Paul, of Peter, of others, Lord, who have gone before us. And may their example be our example. Father, again, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave it all. We just thank you for this opportunity to again just to receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest sacrifice that was ever given for mankind. And it yielded the greatest blessing mankind would ever know, salvation. Father, we thank you for that. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.